Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Craft, and who else is here? And my name is Ben Aspinall. And back for a second bite of the cherry, it's Will Harris, aka Chipsy YCFC. Yes, and it's a very tasty cherry that we're going to be biting into because it's it's our first standalone retro podcast, and we're looking back on what I think it's fair to say is one of the greatest events in human history. You mean the, the invention invent- of penicillin? And nope. The invention of fire. Not that one. Man walks on the moon. Getting closer, but not quite. The fall of the Berlin Wall. No, again, you're getting closer chronologically. Sixty-three places separate York and Manchester United in the league tables, but David beat Goliath by three goals to nil in one of the biggest cup upsets in years. Let's look back to Wednesday the 20th of September 1995. John Major has recently uh, won a leadership election against John Redwood to remain Prime Minister. Uh, What could have been, eh? (laughs) Uh, Number one in the charts is Mr. Boombastic by Shaggy, of course. Ah. And uh, Big Day in Court, um, there's a certain Mr. Bosman who is uh, protesting his, his treatment as a footballer. Uh, and on this exact day, 20th September, the Advocate General of the European Court of Justice has stated that the transfer system and restrictions on out-of-contract players moving is illegal. But all that pales into insignificance uh, when compared to the events at Old Trafford that night so yeah i wanted to start just by talking about our own kind of history or our own context at that time because we're we're of differing ages differing experience differing levels of engagement with the club um in 1995 ben should we start with you what were what was um 1995 ben aspinall doing and what what was his uh, sort of knowledge of of this game I had very much a passing uh, interest in the York City at this time. I was an eight-year-old who didn't really particularly get or enjoy football, but uh, my older brothers were very much into into York. Conversely, um, some of them were actually also into Manchester United. So well, that was... It, uh, it was, that the was the style at the time, in fairness. That was the style at the time. That was just the style at the time. But um, <laughs> I I remember hearing, you know, I remember the build-up to the match. I remember hearing about it on the playground, etc. But I can't say I had too much of a, a personal affiliation. Uh, in, in a more peculiar manner uh, the the cup run the following season against Everton and Leicester it was I was more au fait with that because you know a year later but in terms of, of September 95 I wasn't particularly you know on the pulse when it came to York City and what was happening at Old Trafford but uh, I can definitely recall my family being blown away by what was happening at Old Trafford that night yeah so I was also eight years old um but I was a little bit more involved I'd basically got into football towards the end of the season before, um, 94, 95, and I'd been to a few City games that my dad had taken me. I'd got the bug. I'd even started a York City scrapbook for the 95, 96 season, which had just been full of uh, fairly dull league game cutouts from the press up to this point, uh, but that would all change, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I was I was on board, had been for a few months, knew some of the players' names and so on, 
obviously an eight-year-old understanding of the game, you know, not too deep, but I knew enough to understand that Man United were a bit of a big deal in the mid-90s. So yeah, when the, when the draw was made, I was, I was quite excited. Obviously, wasn't going to be able to get to Old Trafford on a school night. Even eight-year-old me didn't necessarily dream of, of what transpired that evening. How about you, Will? What was your uh, what was so your So that status makes me quite a bit time? older than both of you then. I am 15. I've been going to City home and latterly away for a few years by that point. Uh, I actually came to City quite late. I was playing football in the playground and for Sunday team and stuff, but I didn't actually go and watch football properly until about 1992. Uh, so by that point, I've, I've kind of got the bug. I've got a season ticket. I'm a City red. I've got all that going on. I'm going to some away games. And like you lads, I had um, I had mates who were Man U and people in my class that were Man U. So there was a lot of buzz about that. But my overriding memory of the draw was, right, this is brilliant. We're going to go to Old Trafford. This is fantastic. And then subsequently, very quickly, we're going to get absolutely murdered because they've got people I've heard of and I see on Match of the Day and and it kind of became quickly right we'll go and it'll be it'll we'll go away we'll go and we'll sing and it'll be great and you know let's let's just let's just not try and lose by too many a eh? was kind of the overriding sense from certainly the lads I went with I think there was the odd one who went oh yeah we'll win and you kind of you know the what actually transpired spoiler alert um I don't think any, any of us could have dreamed of yeah so that's where we were in our lives at the time but in terms of the two clubs they were I guess having quite contrasting times in uh, in September '95. So Man United, I'd mentioned, were were quite a big deal at the time. So they'd won the first two Premier League titles um, in '92, '93, and '93, '94. They'd missed out the previous season that just finished. Blackburn had pipped them to the title, and they'd lost in the FA Cup final to Everton. But they were very much seen as sort of anomalies. Man United was still the biggest team in, in the country by far. Like you say, everyone in the playground basically supported them. But this summer actually was was an interesting time at United because they'd had a big squad overhaul. So they'd sold three of the key players, uh, which was Paul Ince, Mark Hughes and Andre Kanchelskis, and not really replaced them with any signings, uh, which was uh, sort of questioned quite a lot at the time. In, in the first game of the season... Fergie brought in a lot of the class of 92 players, so Beckham, Scholes, but Neville Brothers, they were, you know, playing a much more prominent role than they had been, and that's the famous... Uh, is, that the Hansons, is that the Hansen quote? Where they, it the, is, the, yeah. the, the kids quote? Is that, I didn't realise that was this season. Yeah, so it's opening day mm-hmm. of this season. They lose 3-1 at Aston Villa. That's um, right. Like I say, with a new, new look young team. Well, United were scarcely recognisable from the team we've known over the last couple of seasons. What's going on, do you feel? I think they've they've got problems. I wouldn't say they've got major problems. Obviously, three players have departed. The trick is always buy when you're strong. So he needs to buy players. You can't win anything with kids. Yeah, so they had a difficult opening game, but they'd actually won all five of the next league games and were already top top of the Premier League table uh, going into this game. So they'd fairly quickly bounce back from that. I think it's worth mentioning, and I may have... I, I honestly haven't looked this up, but I think I'm right in saying that... I don't think we'd actually won a league game, or maybe we just won the one before. But I think we'd we'd had some draws and some losses. I think we'd we'd won we won against Rochdale in the cup, five one at home to get the draw. But I don't think we'd won a league game. Maybe we'd won the one before that. We just won yeah, our first league win was the was the game before it was away at Swansea and it was a fairly comical own goal 
gave us a 1-0 win. Yeah, look that one up. Otherwise, it was just the Rochdale win. Mm. In the oh, is that the, one that, is that the one that's on Crap 90s football at the time? Oh, probably, Swansea. yes. Yes, probably. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it may well be. But yeah, that was our sort of first win of the season. So we were sitting second bottom of Division 2, as it was styled then. I guess you'd call it League 1 nowadays. Uh, the division formerly known as third. Yeah, it does get very confusing with all these numerical changes. Um, but yeah, we've been promoted to that level, 93. So we'd had a couple of seasons up there, finished fifth in the playoffs in the first season and then ninth. So coming off a decent couple of seasons, but yeah, hadn't started this one well. Had lost John McCarthy that summer, who was quite a key player. Um it's my hero, actually, when I started watching John McCarthy. As well as the uh, obvious difference in, in league position. And there was a difference in, in the form of the two teams. So nothing really to indicate anything other than a very comfortable Man United win. So let's move on to looking at the starting lineups. It's probably worth just going through them um, because one thing I'd like to do here is slightly bust the myth that Man United had a really weak team out this for this game. So can I just can I just come in on that? So um, I, for reasons that I can't quite recall, I ended up not getting. The, I ended up I didn't drive at the time. I wasn't old enough. I didn't. I didn't get. We didn't get train tickets. We got. I so I got on the supporters coach, the T and Bun, the, the Pullman, and I wasn't with the lads that I usually stood with. Um, I don't. There was a reason why I wasn't. I was on a different bus then. So I was on a. I was on a bus full of who I will politely refer to as the older generation. And the mood on the bus was basically, let's not disgrace ourselves. And I made friends with a, a very friendly chap and nice old guy. And he, um, he, he talked to me on the way in. And um, he was very kind of like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. We're, you know, we'll, we'll give it a good go. We'll, you know, basically, you know, the plucky underdog, you know, all that kind of niceness. And then he heard the team. And I won't tell you what he said, but I was surprised to hear that coming out of an auctionarian, auctionarian's mouth. And at that point, he... Yeah, he the mood just changed, and they gave one who thought, "Oh, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll try our best." I think people thought it wouldn't be as strong as it was, and you're absolutely right, Simon. the The myth is that it was a weak team, and I think that's because certainly in the modern era, in the and the Coca Cola or whatever whatever it gets called now, is it the Carabao, isn't it? The Carabao, uh, yeah, the Carabao, Carabao, the Carabao yeah. Shields trophy thing, um, that a lot of the big teams will put out, you know, the under-12s and you get people with squad numbers of 80-odd. Yeah. Um, but I think back then, actually, big teams did take it seriously. Maybe they put the odd kid in, but it, it was a very, very strong team. Yeah, it was. The League Cup definitely was still the third competition, but mm. it was taken a lot more seriously. I mean, United had made three out of the previous five League Cup finals, it's worth saying. So they obviously did take it seriously. Yeah, Ferguson picked a team that he thought had that blend of youth and experience that would see them through. But yeah, just to look at the lineup. So we'll start with the home side, which is Manchester United. Uh, so in goal, Kevin Pilkington. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so that is, that's one of two or possibly three who are n not first-team regulars. So obviously Schmeichel's um, their keeper at the time. It's quite weird actually watching the highlights back because that kit... I associate so much with Michael yeah, and Pilkington's kind of got the blonde that. Yeah, hair. Yeah. You just see him running. And he's out blonde. He's blonde as well, isn't he? Yeah. So. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> back four: Paul Parker at right back, Dennis Irwin at left back, and in centre of defence: Gary Pallister and Pat McGibbon. 
So there's one name that stands out there, Pat McGibbon, obviously not a regular. The other three, I would say, you know, very strong, experienced Mm -hmm. defenders. McGibbon, less so. This was his his debut for the club, but it's worth saying he was already a full international for Northern Ireland at the time. And this is, Paul Parker by this point has 40, 50 England caps. Dennis Irwin is a full, full international right and left back at this point. Pallister's in the middle of his prime playing for England. He's, you know, he's got, uh-huh. I mean, it, it's a really strong lineup. And we had, checks notes, uh, Nicky Peverell, <laughs> who had played youth for Middlesbrough. So, you know, it, it was a fair match. Yeah. So in the midfield, I mean, it gets a bit confusing because they didn't really have any out and out strikers available because Cantona was still banned for mm. kicking the fan. Um, Andy Cole, I think, must have been injured at the time because he he missed this game and I think the one before it. So midfield, as far as the commentators saw it, was Phil Neville on the right of midfield, Lee Sharp and David Beckham in the middle, and then uh, Simon Davies, uh, not the one who went on to play for Spurs and other teams, uh, a different one, but Ben, I think you said he was also an international uh, from what I could see, it was uh, one Welsh international cap, despite being born in Cheshire. But you look at the other three, um, Sharp had been a huge player for them in the early 90s. Beckham, obviously only just starting out, but already very highly rated. Um, and Phil Neville, maybe not playing in his natural position, but again, highly rated. And then up front, uh, Brian McClare, much more experienced head in there. Um, yes, he was, yeah. I think, I think he played most of the games then in the season before, either off the bench or as a start, and he, you're still talking about a full Scottish international. Yeah. Yeah, and um, alongside him, Ryan Giggs, who was... Who he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was obviously still very young at the time, but already kind of a much higher profile than a lot of those other Class of 92 players because he'd come into the yeah. come into the side a couple of seasons earlier and he he was like he was the big thing really at that time mm-hmm. i would say he was the name everyone wanted to be in the playground that's very fair yeah he was the man even at that young age at this point he's not even like he's not even reached his peak yet and he's still no. the superstar in this team yeah yeah absolutely he was the one everyone was scared of wasn't he i think there's only pilkington mcgibbon and davies really who you could say um first team regulars aren't really strong you know starting mm-hmm. players for for a top Premier League side. I mean, it's worth pointing out that all three of those go on to have decent football league careers, pretty much all of it at a higher level than we were at that time and subsequently ended up being. So even if you're going, well, they're not, you know, they weren't internationals apart from your Welsh Cheshire lad. Um, they're still people that ended up with a really good future in the game. You know, people that went on to play significant amounts of league games clearly not you know not some numpty they've just grabbed off the street to make the numbers up these are proper people yeah absolutely and to move on to the york team so dean kiley in goal back for andy mcmillan at right back wayne hall at left back tony barris and steve tuttle in the center of defense so i think that was kind of the standard back five um around that time uh, pretty strong midfield maybe a bit less so so graham murty is starting on the right in midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the left is Scott Jordan and Nigel Pepper in the middle with Darren Williams. So three of that what four always, is very What young. I always forget about this game is I always genuinely forget Scott Jordan played left because obviously as he when he ended up playing centre. And in my head, until I watched the highlights back for this, I was convinced Stevenson had played left wing. Of course he didn't. 
Yeah, so I think Stevenson must have been possibly he injured. injured. He was injured by that point, yeah. It's kind of people not necessarily playing their natural positions. Obviously, you got Pepper in the middle there. Yeah. Um, he was, he'd been a regular for a number of seasons there. But the other three, all, I think about 20. Darren Williams hasn't even been a pro for a year at that point. He makes his debut at 18 the season before, I think. And he's not even been, hasn't even, won't have even got to 50 first team games. He'll have only been about, yeah, been still very, very, very young. And then up front, uh, Paul Barnes, obviously already a you know big player. He, he was my favourite player at the time. He was top scorer every season for the club. Um, and then, yeah, Nicky Peverell alongside him, maybe not quite um, on the same level. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, one stat which I did find interesting was that City's lineup actually had an average starting age, which was younger than the Man United one. Oh, uh, wow. The midfield and Pav. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did not know that. That is a fantastic stat to learn tonight. Fantastic. So, the, yeah, that puts paid to the kind of idea of some experienced lower yeah. league pros, you know, schooling all these all these youngsters. No, it was it was two very young sides. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them maybe rose to the occasion a bit bit better than the other. And I just want to just confirm, Simon, uh, we, we spoke about, you know, um, the inverted commas weakness of this United side. Just want to come, uh, Dean Kelly speaks about nine internationals up against York City that night. Um, I've done my own research. I make it 10. I'm not sure where his difference is to mine. It might be Simon Davis. I'm not certain. But Pat McGibbon, as you mentioned, played for Northern Ireland. <laughs> Looking at the squad of 13, I count two players who don't become international. Uh, a big, yeah, two players. Who don't, three players who, don't, who are not internationals. Big pardon. Uh, Steve Bruce, who never played for England. Uh, Terry Cook, whose career didn't really take off from this. And he mentioned Kevin Pilkinson. I count everyone else on this field as a full international. So yeah, hopefully we've we've done a little bit to demolish that particular idea that United just put a load of unknown kids out. But let's move on to the game itself. So I was obviously eight years old. I was not even really following football on the radio at this point. Hadn't really discovered CFAX. I don't think I was probably, I imagine, tucked up in bed um and found out about it the the following morning basically in terms of what happened will obviously your experience of the game was very different can you talk about sort of the lead up to the game was it easy to get a ticket can you remember much about that side of things so old trafford was undergoing some renovation at the time i think they've reduced the capacity and if you look at the highlights again you can see that at least um one part of the ground is clearly off limits um yeah getting a ticket was dead easy i don't remember any kind of problem with any of that i don't think there was any kind of issue i think basically we could have as many as we wanted and i say i got ended up getting the the supporters club coach over um the atmosphere was yeah i I think was for the team most people thought that we were going to get absolutely stuffed as i say and then it kicks off and i will just say you here to say that although this is one of the great nights in our history and, you know, the team should live with forevermore and so on, the kit is vile. I'm sorry. <laughs> the combination of the shirt, the shorts and the socks, it's just a horrible... We were uh, talking off Mick before this started and we think we worked out that for some reason we couldn't we couldn't play in the white shorts, we couldn't play in, uh, which would have been with the away, we couldn't play in the home shorts, we'd been blue... Ben has asked why Manu didn't just play in black and let us play in the white shorts, but they didn't. So with these horrible mm. red shorts on, and it does spoil it a little bit for me. I'm sorry, that makes me <laughs> a bad person, but it does. So good evening from Rob Palmer as the teams take to the field. York City of the second division, a big night for them, taking on Manchester United. I do remember 
standing there and we're, and so we're singing and all the songs are coming out and it's surreal because obviously they're man new and 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 they're knocking it about and there's all these players you've heard of and it it's an even game i mean i don't know if you, if you've watched the full 90 um mm. i have the full 90 on um vhs somewhere and dvd um if you watch the full 90 it's not a, a plucky smash and grab it's not a plucky you know mm. three goals and shut up shop we actually knock it about really well and in that first half, we create some chances. Barnes fizzes a couple wide. There's a a, a couple of things. There's a, a free kick, which is headed just wide. I think that might be Tuttle. Um, and we go in at the break, and we deserve to be in front. I can't... I mean, Kylie makes some saves, but they're they're makeable saves that it's not mm. it's not one of the games where we've all been to the game where we hang on and hang on and hang on nick a goal hang on and we get to half time and go okay right great we, we've nicked something but we went in at half time one nil and thought okay this is probably the point now where they play they go up three gears and we get absolutely battered but you know we've done 45 minutes and we're one nil up at old trafford and that's that's amazing and i think most people there including myself thought right okay you know, this is it. We've had that. We're not like, they're not like this away. Second half, we lose this three or four one, but we didn't. Yeah, I mean, you say we were on top in the first half. The highlights, just to look at sort of the um, the highlights that are available on YouTube. I'll stick the link in the episode notes as well, um, just if anyone wants to watch along with sort of what we're talking about. It's it's really nearly all us. Yeah, uh, in terms mm. of the chances. So there's one from Scott Jordan who sort of shoots just over from sort of the edge of the box. There's another one from Barnes. Again, uh, it's not far off. It's a nice bit of link-up play before it, and he shoots high and wide. And then there's a free kick from Nigel Pepper, which is... That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Um, that sort of just whistles past the post. So we've already had three really decent chances before you see anything of, of Man United having the ball. I mean, was that mm. how you were feeling in the ground? Were you thinking, oh, you know, actually, we're, we're in this. We're, we're putting them under a bit of pressure. I, I kept thinking this is where they step up. This, you know, they've toyed with us for a bit, like a cat plays with a mouse now. They pounce and squash us, and, you know, whatever it might be. And it, 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 it didn't happen. And that's the surreal thing about the whole thing. And I still, looking back, that's the thing I, I can't quite believe that the whole I was there is that we kept thinking, I kept thinking, right, okay, they'll step on the gas, they'll blow us away, they'll do this, they'll do that, they'll do something premiershipy, not a premier, not a ship. Um, <laughs> but it was, um, we just stepped up and played some brilliant football, some really good on the ground football. And yes, there's a there's a, there's a deflection on, on Barnes' a shot for the first goal. I mean, you know, you, that's what it is. And Pilkington makes a bit a bit of a hash of it all through to but we deserve it on balance of play. We deserve it. We deserved it on chances created and the way we played. And I don't think, you know, and, I, and they got a stunning ovation off and deservedly so. And it was a case of, okay, that just happened. What happens now? And the mood, I think, was generally, okay, we've, we've had our fun. You know, it'll get serious now and they're going to come and blow us away. Yeah. So just before uh, we do take the lead, Man United had their first, sort of decent chance, which is where Beckham knocks a ball in. Um, there's a McClare header that Kylie just tips over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does seem like they're starting to come into the game a bit. But then, yeah, on 24 minutes, uh, Phil Neville gets dispossessed by Graham Murty, which is a fantastic tackle watching it back. Um, I think it's Murty anyway. And he basically feeds Paul Barnes about 25 yards out, 
Yeah. Who gambles on a shot. Seems to maybe deflect off Gary Pallister. It does, yeah. There's a, there's a, bit, there's a deflection there. And sneaks under Kevin Pilkington's outstretched arms. Barnes. With a shot, takes a deflection. Oh, dear me! Wrong-footed Kevin Pilkington. And York City have taken the lead at Old Trafford. And boy, is he happy. Looks like a really bad goalkeeping error when you see it first time. It's hard to know how much the deflection adjusts the course of it. What, what are your thoughts? We were in, obviously, so we're looking directly down on that from the away end. And, and from my memory, the deflection does have a huge part to play. I, I think if it's just hit straight, I think Pilkington gets it. But, you know, who cares? Is there something to be said for... It's a bit weird that Barnes is allowed to get a shot away, no matter how far the distance is. Yeah, that's fair. The defence yeah. the defense aren't really near him, are they? Palace is very experienced and uh, a very, very good def- uh, central defender. He just seems to let Barnes have that shot. Maybe for that reason. Maybe didn't expect it to be so dangerous. But it's very strange that... Uh, it's almost like Barnes rushes into it as if, if I don't shoot now, then I'm not going to get a chance. And, you know, it comes quids in. But it does strike me as a, a quite bit bizarre bit of play. Like you say, Will... I imagine the attitude at the time was, well, who cares about the deflection? Yeah. <laughs> who cares about the yeah. goalkeeping error? We've gone yeah. one nil up at Old Trafford. Let's make the most of this Absolutely. while it lasts. Um, and Paul Barnes made the most of it. He was enjoying himself with that celebration. Uh, the sort of <laughs> running, marching. That's kind of one of the images I most associate with this game. I think because it was on the back pages of a lot of the papers. Apparently, it was inspired by an Ian Wright celebration around oh, okay. the time, um, which I, di- I didn't remember either. But yeah, and his second celebration was also inspired by a, a, a premiership <laughs> player, which we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, we're we're one nil up. The highlights between that and half time, there isn't that much. There's there's a shot goes over from Giggs, doesn't really trouble Kylie too much, and Beckham gets a yellow for a lunge on Scott Jordan. He's maybe showing his uh, sort of ill discipline at, at, at that point in his career. You got mm. any sort of reflections on how the rest of the first half went? If I'm honest, I don't really remember too much about it. Um, as you say, um, the highlights haven't been particularly been kind to that bit. So we got through, we we knocked it about, we didn't seem to hang on, we just kind of got there and then suddenly it was half-time. I'm sure we've all been at those games where time just literally stands still and just absolutely drags and this game just obviously just flew by again in the second half. It seemed to just go in the blink of an eye. So I don't think, I don't have a memory of uh, us looking threatened really i mean obviously the chance you just mentioned there but yeah overall it 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 felt positive but as i say um i think we expected um the cannons to arrive second half and to be blown away yeah um but what does arrive fairly early in the second half is a penalty to york city arms go up asking for offside he wasn't and that's got to be a penalty well it's got to be a sending off unfortunately i think for pat mcgibbon i don't think there's any other alternative for the referee. Barnes had turned him, and the referee has no option other than to show the debutant red. And the night, which was going to be one to remember for Pat McGibbon, has turned into a nightmare for Pat McGibbon. So there's an Andy McMillan long ball, which basically splits splits their defence, um, and Paul Barnes is in behind Pat McGibbon, who decides to bring him down with a fairly clear and obvious foul and mm. it's a penalty and a red card should we it's not a yeah. penalty though is it i mean i mean not it is in a million it, it, it is because <laughs> because because it's on the, it, the because the book says so 
no, it's, the, it's very outside the area. The offence um, definitely starts a good couple of yards outside yeah. the area. You know. And I think Barnes, who was uh, canny that he was, kind of continued his momentum and threw himself and did, you know, and clearly played for the penalty. And, and uh, yeah, fair play to him. Um, it, it's not a penalty, but you know, as penalty hits go, it's a great, it's a great take as well. Though it's a proper, powerful, no nonsense take. Barnes prepares to take his second. He's looking for a second goal, Barnes. He's got it, and he can feel the tremor around Great Britain. York City are upsetting the apple cart big time. Manchester United, two goals down, and down to ten men. This isn't in the script. Yeah, so he sends Pilkington the wrong way. Mm. Um, hits the penalty to bottom right, but yeah, very cleanly struck. And um, yeah, then he gives it the old uh, Klinsman dive celebration, which again was a, was a contemporary reference at that time. Um, <laughs> I think it's worth saying there that actually there's no play made by any of the United, as far as I can remember, I don't remember any play being made of any by the United players or so Alex Ferguson at the time going, it's on a penalty. They just said they just accepted that they'd lost on the day. They, they, they didn't use that as a reason for it. And they could have done. I think there's a bit of footage on the highlights of a couple of players yeah. going over to the touchline to protest a little bit. Don't know whether that relates to the red card oh, or to the penalty. Yeah, um, but yeah, what are our thoughts on on the red card? Because this ultimately kind of, this is the start and end of Pat McGibbon's Man United career, really. He never really recovers from that. It's, you know, he doesn't start another game. Do we think he deserved the red? I mean, it's definitely a foul, clearly, but... I think by the letter of the law at that time, of you know yeah. it, w- what the law was at that time in 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 1995, I think that's a red card. It's the last man thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the case now. It's a double jeopardy thing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the time, that is absolutely red. Even if it is, as uh, Will says, it's clearly a free kick. It's never a penalty. But that that's a red card all day long. I have a memory, and it may be like a, a, one of those memories that kind of comes subsequently. But I have a memory that he produces the red, and we all go spare because that's their guy gone off. And then he mm. points at the spot, and it's like. Oh, okay, bonus. <laughs> we expect the red. We didn't expect the penalty. Put it like that. Um, and also, McGibbon's comments about it, you know, in the, in the BBC retrospective after 25 years, he, he does openly admit it was uh, his quote, it was more like actual bodily harm than a tackle. He's, to, he's very he's, magnanimous about it, isn't he? But, yeah, he's very, say, very straightforward yeah, about it. Yeah. 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 He admits he says it's not a penalty. He does say it was outside the area. Yeah, but he's, is, he does yeah. say it's a red card. He's, he's very certain it's a red card. Yeah. I mean, fair play to him for, for that because. Like I say, it was kind of the defining moment of his career almost. If you Google image search Pat McGibbon, as I may have just it, yeah. done, yeah, that's there. the image that, that comes up uh, most often. And it's the old uh, circular red cards as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a picture of him oh. looking up at the red. Uh, David Beckham's looking across at him. And yeah, you got to feel a little bit sorry for him. Um, but at the time, I guess, probably not. <laughs> probably just. And can I just, can I just ask very quickly, this is a very slight diversion so I must apologise, but from looking at the highlights, do we all see the referee reaching into his sock for his cards? Does anyone else? Did anyone else notice that? I hadn't spotted that at all. Very bizarre. He does that when he books um, at Baker later on as well. Uh, the double booking that we're going to come on to later. Yeah. He, he, he reaches very low for those cards below the pocket, below mm. the knee. Very much a sock area. Maybe something to double check on those highlights. Yeah, he makes a few odd decisions, but I hadn't hadn't spotted any particular sock <laughs> action. I have to say, I'd have to uh, have to watch that one back. But yeah, so it's two 0 and this is 
really when maybe I guess you start to think, okay, this might be happening now. They're down to 10 men. Um, I don't think we'd even kind of properly calm down. Obviously, it, it, it it's uh, we were in a seated end, but of course we were all standing. And kind of by the time we'd kind of got back to where we were supposed to be and where I think, you know, where my coat was and so on. Um, by that point, the, the free kick for the third goal has been given. So there's there's a again in my head the space of time between the second and the third goal is all on the highlights. It's just literally next clip. Obviously, I think in real time it's about <laughs> two minutes, but it feels like a it, all done in a heartbeat. And then that free kick goes in, and it's dreamland. Peppers cross. Easy for Bilkin, he's done, he's lost it! Oh my word, it's 3-0! Tony Barris rose above Kevin Pilkington then, and that's going to complete a night of misery for Manchester United. Oh my word, what a shock. This is the stuff that Roy the Rovers annuals are made of. Yeah, so it is two minutes between them, according to historical record. Um, we get a free kick, uh, which is uh, touched across to Nigel Pepper. He puts in a very decent in-swinging cross. Tony Barris coming in to meet. It just beats Pilkington to the ball, and it's it's a lovely header home. Um, I, I liked on the commentary, they say, and that's an easy one for Pilkington. Oh, no, it's not. Something like that. <laughs> uh, Can we agree it's also... To, it's, it, I do really think it's bad defending and bad, bad goalkeeping. Um Goalkeeper gets nowhere near it, but there's no reason why a centre half going up for a free kick should be getting a free header like that. Experienced Premiership policy and halves shouldn't be losing those headers in the box. I mean, no. it's a it's a good one. Uh. I mean, it, but it's it's not it's a bog standard in swinging free kick. It's not anything mm. particularly outrageously good. Yeah, there's maybe not not a coincidence that Fergie's next action is to bring Steve Bruce onto the pitch. Yes. Uh, maybe to try and... He ended uh, up playing up top, didn't he, in the final third of the game, Steve Bruce? Yeah, I think it was maybe a damage limitation thing initially, and then when we went down to 10, we thought, well, yes, we may as well stick him up front. Switched him for um, I mean, I don't, can't remember how many goals he got that season when he went on a bit of a spree. Was it 19 goals or something like that? So Something ridiculous like that, wasn't it? Yeah, he got... Yeah, yeah he, he took the pens, didn't he, at that point as well for them. But yeah, it's it's 3-0 very quickly after it's been 2-0. Can you describe what the atmosphere was like in the ground at that point? I can only imagine. <laughs> On a personal level, I remember turning round and going absolutely spare and having a hug and a kiss with the lovely young lady in the seat behind me and then realising with shock and horror that the extremely large and muscly chap next to her was clearly her boyfriend, <laughs> strokes of other, and apologising to him, at which point, and I will be, again, be polite because this is a family podcast. Um, inform me that it was absolutely fine because we were three and a half at Old Trafford. I could do whatever I liked. <laughs> so, Excellent. So yeah, that was that was interesting. And, um, but, but yeah, just just the raw and and for those that know me, I am extremely glasses half empty with City concerned. Like you know, if um, if we're if we're two or three goals up, I still believe deep down that we're going to somehow find a way to cock this up and for them to get back into it. <laughs> or, you know, when we were seven nil up against, was it Kettering in the conference under Mills the first time round? Was it, was mm -hmm. that Kettering? Yeah. Um, Kettering. When the sixth went in, I think I, I think I kind of relaxed. But okay, we're we're probably okay now. That that's kind of my <laughs> natural thing. But on that day, I didn't have that, and I I remember thinking at three, I think I think we're home, and I think everyone just kind of went into this kind of euphoric bliss of we're thrilled up at Old Trafford. This is it. And mm -hmm. 
and we they, again they have some chances and you know um Kylie pulls off some good saves but there's there isn't the Alamo there isn't that surge forward yes Baker gets sent off stupidly and yes we go down to 10 but we're not hanging on we're still knocking about there could have been a fourth and well there was a fourth you could fi- argue it was a fourth yeah <laughs> <laughs> and for, the, for those final 30 odd we look competent and capable and 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 there there wasn't that you know as i say i i would my natural reaction would be okay this is where you know somehow we'll concede three very quickly and it'll you know be game on and i didn't feel like that it was honestly really really surreal i mentioned there sort of was a fourth in the sense that we had the ball in the net again not long after and it's it was paul barnes on a hat trick gets played in and it's a really decent finish and he's given offside it looks I'm very convinced tight. it was on, but that's just me being. I'm convinced it was on. I don't. I don't think he's like. Has he actually ever commented on that? Been asked about it. I'm but. not sure, but it, it definitely looked like it was close either way. I yeah. guess maybe uh. it balances out the penalty that shouldn't have been given. But it would have been yeah. really nice for him to get that hat trick, and that probably would have been the, the best goal of the night had it stood. I think so. Yeah. Uh. I think so. But yeah, not to be. We we had to settle for for three nil. Settle is, is the correct word. We settled for <laughs> yeah. beating the champions. We didn't want to embarrass at them, did place. we? The only team. Did you know the stupid stat that there are only two teams to beat Man U at home 3 0 in, in about 20 years, I think? And one of them is Real Madrid away the other one. I'm sure that's right. Well, I can I can do you I can do you one more. I can tell you one that the, this this season, 95 96, Manchester United won the, the double double, whatever you want to call it, the League and Cup double. Uh, we were the only side to go to Old Trafford and win that there season, yeah, including cha- including Europe. Sorry, uh, including Europe, they drew. A... They drew. Get knocked out by uh, Rotter Volgograd yeah. uh, on away goals after a two-two draw. Old Trafford, Michael's last-minute header. They they drew that match, so we're the only team that won there. Yeah, and we arguably go. stopped them winning the you know domestic treble. Well, we did stop them winning the domestic treble because, like you mm. say, they won the League and Cup double. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that just sort of puts it into. Some kind of context. York, um, York City and Rotter Volgograd, brothers in arms. <laughs> hey, A line we didn't have... you'll never hear before <laughs> or since. We didn't have Peter Schmeichel rushing up to, uh, to score from a corner there against us. Should we sing hands across the water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe given current events, we'll uh, we'll leave that. We, one we won't put too much of a uh, of a love Good in point. with our uh, well Volgograd brothers and sisters. Um, <laughs> can we touch? Can we touch quickly on uh, Baker's two yellows because they're two of the most bizarre yellows you're going to see at any point, even even in 1995. Yeah, the first <sighs> thing to mention is if you do watch the highlights back, the commentator misidentifies him as Paul Atkin. He says Paul Atkins come on. He then says Paul Atkins got booked. He then says his second yellow. It, clearly, it's a it's a mistaken identity. It, it was Paul Baker uh, who'd come yeah. on to partner Barnes up front. Um, I was personally gutted. Um, I loved Paul Baker. I think he, I, I still maintain he was extremely um, underrated as a city goal, a city player. I think he was a fantastic number, like a proper old school elbows and headers type centre forward, put himself about, not centre halves about. And admittedly, I'm not the man with all the, uh, the managerial experience and Alan Little is, so I suspect he probably won this one. I maintain that he should have been starting the games ahead of Peveril. And I suspect that getting sent off for two daft bookings probably didn't help his cause of staying. <laughs> we, sold, we sold him soon afterwards. Um, 
and yeah, I I I maintain that Baker is extremely hardly done too, but I will agree that these two yellow cards did not help his cause in any way, shape or form. The booking for kicking the ball away, which is so, so late after the whistle, is untrue. You can clear the whistle goes, you can count to three. Whistle, one, <laughs> two, three, hoof. It's the most obvious booking you've ever seen. Yeah, I think the first one's maybe a bit harsh. So the first yeah. one is for impeding Pilkington. But it's sort of it's hard to tell from the highlights, but it seems like he's just stood there and Pilkington runs into him, and the commentators certainly describe it as being harsh. Mm. But then, if you're on a booking, you certainly yeah. Anyway, footballers and brains. But I'm also a huge fan of him taking eating that second yellow card and just absolute beelining to the tunnel. Not protest it. He does a little bit of a protest by all means, but he beelines that tunnel. And then then I think he says something to the home crowd as he goes past. Lovely old job. (laughs) A proper league, you know, a lower league clogger saying something to the Premier League supporters as he gets sent off. That's what you want to see. The beautiful game. Yeah. Is there an argument that that the ref is suddenly, he's thinking, right, I'm refereeing Manchester United, who are now 3-0 down against lower league opposition. <laughs> I've sent one of their players off, which may have contributed to this. Am I going to be yeah, the story yeah, here? It may, it may have been on his mind. I think maybe he was looking to do something. But then again, why give him the opportunity? He was daft. Yeah. But ultimately, doesn't have a huge effect no, no, um, on the outcome. No, uh, the, the only other real event was um, another decent chance for Brian McClare. It's a sloppy mm. pass. Didn't see who from. <laughs> Uh, but let's McLaren. in. He takes it around Kylie, but then he it just over the top. Yeah, just from he's from a tight angle. Um, doesn't quite find the back of the net. So. It's your stereotypical. He should have done better there, isn't it? You can almost <laughs> I don't know, the comment exactly doesn't say it, but it's one of them. Oh, we should have done better there. But yeah, that takes us through to the final whistle. I'd imagine it'll be a race to the tunnel for the United players when the full-time whistle goes, and there it is. What a night for York City. One of the greatest nights in their history. They've beaten Manchester United by three goals to nil. A night of three goals, two dismissals. It's almost the conger on the terraces. Those York fans are going to remember this date, the 20th of September 1995. One of the greatest nights in the club's history. They've still got to finish it off at Bootham Crescent. But they're going to be parting on this one for at least a fortnight. The scenes, uh, watching the highlights back, were, were pretty fun to see. I mean, for the goals going in as well, I don't think the phrase limbs was, was popular at the time. No, but it, there but, is... if it, but if it had been, this was it. Yeah. Ten out of ten limbs. Do you remember the final whistle? Do you remember? Was no, that when it finally no, sort of No, I don't. I've thought about this. Um, I don't... I don't remember the journey back. I don't. Re- I remember. Don't remember getting out. I don't remember. I just remember that kind of like, basically, <laughs> from that third goal going in, and, and then um, the Baker the Baker incident. I don't remember much about that final 20, 30 minutes. I don't remember anything about getting back, and I don't remember anything really until I get back to York, and I've got my scarf on, and everybody is talking about it. Everybody in York is talking about it. We get off the coaches. We start to go, kind of walk walk our way home. And everyone's like, "Oh, you got, did you go? Did you see the game? Did you?" Uh, we, oh, I was there, and it's the only time in my life I felt important. People, when people gathered round, like I was some <laughs> kind of, you know, religious figure, and wanted me to tell them the story of what I'd seen. So as I was walking back through York, um, there was a kebab van um, on the corner of Parliament Street, and um, the the gentleman who ran the kebab van 
you saw the scarf shouted out oh you know yeah yeah three nil i said oh i was there and he went, you were there and again and he gave me a free kebab so i could tell the people at the kebab stand all about it yeah i remember it sort of sending tremors through the city and it was all anyone was talking about i mean it would have been the following morning i guess probably when i, I found out my memories of of it are a little bit jumbled and hazy because i can mm. really clearly recall watching the highlights of it with my dad but it was a school so night. The ones on the, that that night, you mean? Well, this is the thing. Cause it was a Wednesday night. It was a school night. Um, I didn't live with my dad, and I didn't see him during the week. I used to stay with him on a weekend. So right. it doesn't really add up. I think he must have taped the highlights or his friend or something, yeah. and he was watching them back. So, but I can definitely remember watching them. Um, but I do remember walking to school uh, the day after and sort of seeing one of those newspaper boards outside a shop. that, mm. And that sort of confirming that it had really happened because i think that I'd, maybe someone had phoned me to tell me it happened or i'd heard it on the radio mentioned or something but that was when i, I sort of accepted that it was real and was just you mm. know completely on a high after that to go into school and uh i bought all the newspapers and kept, <laughs> and kept the back pages and i bought two because i'm petty so i kept one for me and i took all the, the back pages of all the papers i could get my hands on into school and uh, my mate, my best mate, was a United fan. And my school, my secondary school, still had those old-fashioned kind of wooden 50s, 60s desk with the inkwells in that you used to get in yeah. school at that time. And so before, before he got into school, I placed all of the back pages with all of the headlines in, in huh. his desk, and then laughed at him when he arrived because that's what football's all about. Petty, petty <laughs> rivalry between mates. Yeah. It, it um, was that chance yeah, for I retribution. Kept, but I kept the back pages. I had all the back pages, the papers, and then I went back out because at that time the press was an afternoon or evening paper. So I went back out in the afternoon and bought that as well. And I, I had all of those. They, I don't know where they are now. They're probably in a scrapbook or a box in my mum and dad's attic, I would imagine. But um, yeah, I had all the papers, um, all the reports yeah, uh, collated I, somewhere. They they found the way into my scrapbook as well, several of the newspapers. And I do remember that, yeah, Fergie yorked, Reds yorked, United yorked. There were a lot of... So there was a lot of yorking. There was a lot of yorking occurring. Um, I don't know why the papers all had cricket on the brain so much. I did try and find out if there was any major yorking incidents in the summer of 95. Um, there I think was an... York must be hard to work into a headline. Dukes of York we had. Dukes of York was a nice yep. one. Dukes of York, yeah. And then the probably more prosaic from the Telegraph, Paul Barnes scores twice as York win 3 0 <laughs> I mean, it sums it up you know, quite nicely. Really though, on the zeitgeist it? of newspaper headlines there. Well done, lads. Um, but yeah. Then... Wait, are we thinking York rounds with porked? Is, is, is that potential? Or am I, am I thinking too much? A porked city is a completely different kind of thing and probably a different podcast <laughs> altogether. Yeah, but uh, I was Same old city late night. <laughs> Well, like when Hollyoaks used to do those uh, after dark after, episodes. Same old city after dark, where you know we swear <laughs> yeah. we swear a bit more. It's another Patreon exclusive. <laughs> and take our tops off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, getting back to uh, 1995. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I spoke briefly to my other half about it, who has and had at the time zero interest in football, but um, yeah, even she remembers it as a massive sort of cultural moment that everyone was talking about that chance for the one or two city fans at school to yeah, laugh in the faces of their uh, their oppressors who had uh, <laughs> lauded it over them for so long and yeah i was just i just remember sort of yeah basking in the in the glory of sort of feeling that i was part of it because you know i'd, I'd been to Booth and crescent a few times 
really that you could argue that's maybe what um the high that i've been trying to chase ever since in in terms of following <laughs> city with very limited success um mm. but yeah if you start following a club and then and then something like that happens within the first few months probably going to give you a misleading impression of, of how football fandom will be but yeah any it's other good, thoughts it's a good on... point actually in my first three years we get promoted we get to the playoffs the year above that we do okay and then we win at old trafford and the season after we beat Everton, and then some stuff happens but yeah that <laughs> that as you say it's that it's that first initial reaction isn't it and that first initial bite that gets you any other thoughts on kind of the aftermath um, how it was covered. There was a lot of a TV coverage as well. You can find a few clips was, of like City um, players and managers. I want to say that Paul Barnes won a, mount, a Coca-Cola mountain bike for being man of the match, which is a great thing. He did, yeah. I did ask in the tweet, does he still have this mountain bike? Haven't been able to find out. Um, no, but I yeah. suspect not. They looked very cheap. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he won a mountain bike. Um, it was just that moment in the sun, wasn't it? And then I, did we lose on the Saturday? Did that happen? I, I not, have to go and look that up, but I, suspect, not, I, think, we, I think we went back to reality and lost 2-1 at home or something like that on the Saturday. Don't we beat Hull? We after? beat Hull in between the two legs because that's when Dean Kiley oh, gets injured, gets they, injured yeah. yeah. And I remember, again, from my scrapbook, I remember the fairly graphic photo of his uh, head being clashed into by um, a Hull player. Let me mm. just bring up the results. Um, so, yeah, the Saturday, 23rd of September, was... Home game against Walsall and we won it one nil. So did we? Oh, carried that form into into that game, and then the following Saturday, three nil away the, at Hull. Is the Hull game, yeah. Um, and then obviously then the the second leg, which I did go to at Bulan Crescent. Um, oh. Worth saying, we're not covering the second leg tonight. We're just literally looking at Old Trafford. Hopefully, we'll cover that second leg in at some point in future because there's lots of interesting stuff to talk about. It Cantona's second game back. You know, really strong team very close in terms of who eventually progresses. Um, but yeah, we're just literally concentrating on the first leg in this one. But yeah, that was uh, obviously gave us the impetus to go and and uh, scrape a win over Walsall. It must have been difficult to uh, for the players to bring themselves back down to earth for that one. I, 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 yeah, and the fact that I thought we genuinely thought we'd lost <laughs> probably sums up what kind of memorable game that was. Um <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Because uh, as a team, you kind of go, well, you've done this amazing thing. Now I go and kick on. And we didn't, did we? We kind of, we we scraped around and got odd results here and there. But um, yeah, it didn't galvanise. You thought, okay, you, you surely think you're right. You, you've just beaten Manu. Let's, let's go and kick on. And we didn't. No. So, so spoiler alert, we did progress from that tie. We lost 3-1 in the second leg. But we yeah, won 4-3 on aggregate. Drawn away at QPR in the following round, where we lost 3-1, but apparently that was a, a very good atmosphere. One of the best nights following City, in just in terms of noise and togetherness and atmosphere, it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, but that didn't really translate into league form. We didn't yeah. hit anywhere near the heights of the Old Trafford performance again, really. And it's, it's only the final game of the season where we managed to um, secure survival, and that was the... Uh, Another famous game, the the rearranged game at Brighton. So yeah, not a memorable league season, but if you if you say the words ninety five, ninety six to a York City fan, I think their oh their, yeah their eyes will light up because they'll they'll remember this one particular fixture. Uh, yeah, Man United again, slightly contrasting fortunes. Go on to they did okay, didn't they? They yeah. they recovered well. <laughs> it panned out all right for them for a yeah, few good years. Good for them. 
and Good some of the, some of the players who played that night went on to do okay for themselves. Yeah. Pat McGibbon maybe not quite as much, but um, do you think David Beckham learned everything he knew that night from uh, from Nigel <laughs> Pepper? Maybe. I think it's quite good when you when you watch that highlight, the, the McClare header that um, that Kylie saves. Uh, it's the cross that comes in from Beckham is in that beautiful technique of his that he did for what was it, ten, fifteen years, whatever yeah, you want to yeah. say. And you think, oh my god, he actually did it against York City. Wow, we're one of the victims. Ooh. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. And it, you know, it's it's class. Even then, at that age, you know, when he was what nineteen, twenty, twenty-one years old. He had that technique and he had that skill about him and he was about to become one of the most famous football player in the world within 10 years. It is wrong that he was wearing number eight, though, for this one. No, this is true. This is very true. (laughs) Because I saw what I thought was him flying down the wing, number seven on his shirt, and it turned out that was Phil Neville, who then passed it to Beckham number eight. So that distressed me a bit. But yeah, he um, did all right for himself, as did several of the other players this night. But yeah, possibly one of the low points of their early career, I guess. I think just to agree, with, agree with that, Simon, if, you, if it's okay with you guys, I want to mentioning very quickly that um, if anyone who listens to the show uh, knows me and knows me personally, they'll know that I lived in Manchester for 17 years uh, and I moved there for university in the summer of 2005. And the, my second week in my Halls University, um, the Monday was uh, the 20th of September 2005. So 10 years to the day uh, after this, this wonderful result. And I stuck up on my dorm door the printout of the the team sheet and the scorers and the the score at the top of the of the, uh, of the paper saying you know in big big uh, bold you know letters manchester united nil york city three and living in manchester for subsequent 17 years and i worked there and i worked various jobs etc and met so many different friends of different backgrounds and different football teams every united fan i ever met in any situation whether it's work or in a pub they all remember this game yeah and that comes through in um, some of the tweets we had, which I'd just like to take a look at now. Thanks for all your responses. We've had loads of really fantastic stories. Haven't got time to cover them all, but I've just picked out a few that I wanted to to look at here. And so starting with the City fans, we've got one from Yfront Fanzine saying, I went with a Man United fan to the game amongst the carful. Obviously, we rinsed him mercilessly on the way home. When he arrived at his house, his wife had made a banner out of a roll of wallpaper saying Man United nil, York City 3, which was so funny. Excellent. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I do enjoy the uh, the effort that's gone into that one there. Gareth Pritchard, I was nine and went with my dad. Best night of my life. Took us about an hour to get out of the car park, but didn't really care as we were listening to all the news reports from the game on the radio. Wore my shirt to school the next day and was allowed to keep it on. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that does make me jealous because I was thinking, yeah, I was eight, I was too young to have gone, but clearly someone had more uh, fanatical parents and, and was allowed to go. <laughs> Spirit of 84, walking out after the match, a United fan was consoling himself, singing something about the Red Army. Another United fan behind him mistook him for a York fan, taking the... <laughs> and kicked him square up the... <laughs> we walked away in hysterics as he protested, I'm a... <laughs> red, you... <laughs> Had to censor a fair amount of that for this family-friendly podcast, but you you get the idea. That's uh, mm. uh, infighting amongst the uh, the Red Devils there. Uh, one here from Luke and Hawes. Only away game I ever went on the coach to. Joined the supporters club just for this one, and went with an ex-girlfriend who wanted to see Ryan Giggs with a <laughs> face palm emoji there, which seems appropriate. 
Uh, went out and bought every daily paper the day after and still yeah. got them all now. Um, so it could have been on the same coach as you, I guess, Will. Although I guess yeah, there possibly. Yeah, maybe possibly, several yeah. coaches were there that went that went across. Uh, yeah, loads, I would imagine. Uh, one from Jan Ward. I was there, unforgettable night. And we'll never forget the Man City fans, before they got big, ringing into the local radio station to congratulate us on the way home. <laughs> got one from Mike Coops, 85. My first ever away game, so technically I think that made me a glory supporter for the only time since being a York <laughs> fan all these years later. Uh, one from Tom Putnam, just the sheer sense of unreality about the whole night. The drive back along the M62 with seemingly every other car beeping its horn and seeing three or four city shirts in Harrogate Town Centre the following morning. Well, I mean, yeah, I imagine that's a fairly rare sight in Harrogate. There was another one from, from Tom Putnam as well that I wanted to mention which was fairground by simply red was released two days earlier so i'm still thinking about the bad news to be honest <laughs> <laughs> this is true but i did want to correct a common misconception uh, which i saw repeated in a press article which was that fairground was number one at the time of this game um, it wasn't because like tom said it was released this week it was as i mentioned shaggy so just for the record uh, we wanted to correct that one um, I'm glad that we got the importance to fuck the way. Yeah, well, I doing, just think it, it doing gives the Lord's work. It gives a different context to the, <laughs> you know, to the whole the whole event to know that it was actually Mr. Boombastic that was soundtracking uh, <laughs> that that glorious night. A little getting down to the tune of Shaggy on the way home. It's what it's all about. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what was nice as well was we had some uh, Man United fans who were magnanimous enough after all this time to to give their own memories um so one of them uh, which is paul murph said i'm a united fan and i was there paul barnes hat trick and pat mcgiven got sent off remember the hashtag limbs in the east stand behind the goal ed townend united supporter who went to both legs york outplayed us over the two legs and deserved all the accolades they received very nice to hear and finally uh, another united fan here matt riches who said the second leg was fun Fergie really wanted to turn it around and sent a decent team out. Didn't happen in the end, but was a cracking day in a fine city. He followed up with, although to clarify, it was a good United side in the home leg with some very senior players in the lineup. From memory, York were on top right from the start. But yeah, it's it's nice to hear that United fans recognise that as being an excellent performance by yeah. us as well as sort of one of their lower points in an otherwise, you know, fantastic era for them. Uh -huh. um, and that we that we deserve to go through. In terms of final reflections, where do we think this stands in the uh, in the pantheon of of City's greatest moments? I mean, we've covered the Luton playoff final already um, in another episode. I, I mean, I think I think in my sporting lifetime it has to be up there, just in terms of who they were, where they were, where we were, um, who they put out, who we put out, um, all of those things. Um, I know that. Um, if you're older than me, you'll talk about the 83, 84, the 101 points, um, the Arsenal game, the Liverpool games. But in terms of what I've seen and what I've gone through, I think it's pro it's probably the pinnacle or one of perhaps the joint the, the joint pinnacles. I know it's only the cup, but even so, it, it was just an amazing thing to be part of. In terms of lifetime, this is it. This is the one that's the highest. Um, I didn't get, you know, I wasn't there to experience it properly as as a child, but. Um, it's always been great for winding up United fans in retrospect. They all know about this game. 
of all ages, they'll know about York City winning 3-0. This is the actual peak. Manchester United are the biggest team in the world and we went to their home ground and beat them 3-0. That's it. It is, like you say, there have been upsets where smaller teams, you know, sneak a win in extra time or something like that or against a team that's maybe struggling in a higher league. This was this just has all the ingredients to be one of the biggest upsets of all time, I think, in terms of it's a clear, comprehensive win. The scoreline, you know, 3-0, it's away from home. It's deserved on the night. And I like to think that what this did is this made the big clubs stop putting out their first-choice players in the Coca-Cola or the League Cup, just in case this kind of thing happened to themselves. They started putting out all their their kids and their B-sides and all of these people that we've talked about before. Yeah. I think this is this. We are the instigators of that. The big clubs were scared of this happening to them. Yeah, they just That's my to theory. Get their excuses in early yeah, by, by fielding a weakened team. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, I did watch an interview with Sir Alex Ferguson about this game where he very much played up the idea that he'd played a very weak team. So yeah, that's, I think we've um, that. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, like I say, one thing we've done is, is confirm that United put a really strong team out. I, I, I'm not going to say it to his face, though, but we did bust that myth. No, I think we'd be polite and respectful at that point, quietly and, and you know. <laughs> I would be interested to hear what his half-time team talk and full-time reaction was at the time. But yeah, I think it... It has to. It has to be the highest point. Like I say, that's the high I've been chasing as a City fan ever since. But probably that's not one that's ever going to be surpassed. Just in terms I, of, yeah, um, I don't think so. You know, it's the perfect draw. It's the perfect result. That and Asher Cody scoring the all important, crucial seventh, taking his shirt <laughs> off. Of, you know, that that's the other obvious. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. We'll do a good hour on that at some yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Good. But yeah, thanks everyone for uh, for being part of this. So thanks very much. Will for uh, for sharing your insight of what it was like to be there in the ground. I'm still very jealous, um, but yeah, that, I feel like that's um, that's given me a bit more of a sense of of how it was to be there as a city fan rather than just <laughs> seeing it from afar. So um, that's been great. Thank you for having let me waffle on, gentlemen. No, that's uh, that's a pleasure, and um, yeah, thanks, Ben, as always. Thank uh, you. It's been good to uh, talk about the uh, the Manchester connection once more. Thanks for all your engagement on social media as well. Like I say, there's been a lot of interest in in this one uh, for obvious reasons. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, listening to it. If you've got any thoughts, reactions, do let us know. We're at Same Old City Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know also whether you whether you like the retro subjects having their own standalone podcasts, whether you think that's worked uh, and, and whether we should do that going forward. So thanks everyone for listening again to us talking about a night where Manchester United really were Scarborough in disguise.